0: It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner.
1: Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals post-game edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist editor with Rick Boring. It's presented, as always, by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. After the Bengals, 41-17 win at the Ravens. The win, Rick, not surprising, obviously. And sometimes margins of victory get away from teams, and margins of defeat do, too, at times. But really, other than a couple of Baltimore drives late in the first half early in the second half when they took the lead and you thought, okay, here we go. That was a pretty dominating performance on both sides of the ball by the Bengals.
0: It was. Uh, We we talked about it before we came on here. I could have seen the Bengals winning this game. That wasn't totally out of the realm of possibility, but just completely kicking the Ravens ass the way that they did. It was a thoroughly dominant performance in all three phases of the game. And the Bengals are now in first place in the AFC North, in first place in the AFC, tied for third in the NFL with the third highest point differential. These are uh, unprecedented times in the Zach Taylor era.
1: No, I mean, it, they really are. Um, you know, it, 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 the, the dominance was the part that there was a play that Lamar Jackson had, and I tweeted this out. It was, in the, It was I think, the second time they were trying to go for it on fourth down um, in desperation time, right? And it was like fourth and 13, and he had to make a long throw down the field to get a first down. And they flushed him out, and he scrambled into his credits trying to extend a play, seeing if he could maybe sneak through and run it. And he finally just flipped it to a running back on the sideline and goes, we're done. You just take it out of bounds. You're not going to come close. Th- that spoke volumes to me of him going, yep, they got us, and we're done.
0: It was the waving of the white flag. There are yep. moments throughout this game where it kind of hit you or started to sink in that, the Bengals are really doing this. This is real. This isn't a fluke, and they're not going to cough this one up, and there is no other shoe that's going to drop. They're, they're really doing this, and that was certainly that final moment for me. Uh, Burrow and Chase were the story here. They were oh, they sure. completely dominated this game. They put on an absolute show. Burrow goes for a career-high 416 yards on 23 of 38 passing. He had three touchdowns. He had one terrible interception, which was just a bad decision. It yep. is what it is. It's going to happen. And he admitted it. He, yeah, he admitted I mean, it. It was, it was a no-doubter. He try, He was probably getting a little too confident there, the yep. way things were going for him in that game. He, he threw one up. It, it happens. Uh, quarterback rating of 113.5. We had talked about how the Ravens had caused so many low quarterback ratings against young quarterbacks and and how difficult it was for him last year he turned that around in a big way and then chase goes eight catches for 201 yards a touchdown 25.1 yards per catch Skiddy, what jumped out at you from the performance of those two where they both were just outstanding all day
1: Yeah, from both. And Joe talked about this after the game. And I've talked about this before, too. That was the thing that was disappointing about last year is him not getting a second chance at Baltimore and not getting a second chance at Pittsburgh. Um, The fact that he actually was really good the second time around against Cleveland last year. Um, where he got And he was really good the first time around, but that was that crazy game where he threw 62 passes in the Thursday night game and kind of the stats got out of control. Um, but he was even better, though, statistically the second time around. And he even admitted that today because I've asked him that question a few times and he's kind of been reticent to answer it. I, I think he knew what I was getting at and just didn't want to speak about, I'm going to be better against teams the second time around. Well, guess what? He was better against Pittsburgh the second time around. He's better against Baltimore the second time around. And yes, different years, different teams, all of those things, but primarily for Baltimore, especially. Especially, this is still kind of the core of the same team from last year on defense. So, you know, and and the core of what they do, which is blitz you into submission. And I thought he handled all of that beautifully. I thought the offensive line gave him time when it had to. He got hit some. And listen, dude, if they're going to send all blitzes, everybody get fusses about the, well, you got to hit it. Like, sure. If they are sending seven and you're blocking five or six, they're going to hit him. It's a matter of him, then. He has to be responsible for the hot read or the free runner and, and and throw the ball where it needs to go. And I thought he was just great at that. And the more the game went along, the more the offensive line did better and the more comfortable he looked. And then for Chase, I mean, he one-ups himself every week. You know, he Rick, he, he caught three balls that stood out to me that were just ridiculous. The one towards the end of the half where he caught a ball on the other side of the left hash mark and then had to race all the way across the field yeah. to go out of bounds and save a timeout. That's catch number one.
0: Well, and he absolutely blew Marlon Humphreys' doors yes, he off did. at the line of scrimmage to get open on that play, Yes, too. yes.
1: Well, I want to get to that. Well, I'm glad that can actually remind me. I'll kickstart what I'll say. I'll go back to what I was just talking about. I mean, the storyline going in was Marlon Humphreys going to travel with Jamar Chase. Um, Wink Martindale is going to say, you take him, I'll do the rest, you, you shut him down. And it wasn't all Marlon Humphrey. Cause there was a couple catches on Jimmy Smith. I'm just still stunned on a fourth down play. How Jimmy Smith is covering Jamar chase, but he did. Um, but it was a lot of Marlon Humphrey and a chunk of Marlon Humphrey that, that had him, that he did that against. So, yeah. So the one catch I talked about, where he ran across the field. Then there was the, the slant where all Zach's trying to do is get a first down. Right. And he got the first down and he breaks a tackle from Marlon Humphrey and goes the distance. And even Zach said, I'm just looking for a first down. And I, you can't coach that guy goes for a touchdown. He, that's what he does. And then the one late later in the game was a throw down the sideline and Joe kind of underthrew him and might've intentionally underthrown him, but Joe underthrew him and Jamar kind of stopped and had to work inside and underneath the corner makes the catch. It was the one that, that, uh, that Harbaugh challenged where he thought it was incomplete along the sidelines, but three different styles for lack or three different unique type plays one using his speed across the field. The other one, his strength to break a tackle and then his speed to pull away. And then his ability to adjust on a route down the sideline. That's just special. I mean, it's ridiculously special. And the goofy, he look, AJ Green always made catches. you are like, Whoa, that guy, look at that athleticism. I never say that about Jamar chase. Cause he makes it look so damn easy. Easy.
0: His speed is something else. I mean, I know, know we talked about it last week, but you saw it again today, even the way he pulled away from those three defenders that were all in a group around him after, after he broke he had, that tackle.
1: Right, after he had to reaccelerate.
0: He, <laughs> yeah, It wasn't I mean, like he
1: was running through them. He no, had to he got spun backwards. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, and to add one more to that, that back shoulder throw, those two just have that timing down perfectly. We've seen it a couple of times now in back-to-back weeks and the one he threw down the left hash again to him was absolutely perfect timing. He made a perfect last second turnaround and grabbed there right. around the defender. They were just fun to watch. Chase now has 754 receiving yards through seven games. That's an wow. NFL record through for seven games of the career. He's second in the NFL in overall receiving yards. And he's on pace for over 1800 yards, 1831 yards to be exact, which would be the fifth best season ever by a receiver. I mean, it's just a joke. What we're witnessing is truly stunning. And I mean, you know, not to harp on, did they get it right now? Everyone keeps talking about that, but this decision to draft him has paid off in, in a way that I don't even think they could have envisioned when they did so. No, I, I look, I,
1: I was hoping the guy would be a a thousand yard receiver, right? Hit a few home runs here and there. Um, be at least a guy that takes the top off the defense. The other teams would have to say, all right, let's adjust to this guy. Um, it's, it, the, the, it's been staggering. I mean, it's, he about two games, two good games, not even great games. He's two good games away from getting to a thousand yards at the bye week, Rick. At wow. the bye week.
0: It's crazy. Well, and the Bengals had... 10 plays of 20 or more yards in this game. Everyone's talking about the explosive plays and how many of them they had. And Chase had four of those, by the way, including the 2 right. yard touchdown. But what really stood out to me was that Chase especially, but even some of the other guys, Uzama, Boyd, they killed them in the mid-range. The middle of the field, those intermediate routes were really open today in a way they haven't been earlier in the season What did you attribute that to? Was it the fact that they were trying to be so physical on the line with chase and jam him up front? And then they were also getting worried about getting beat deep. So they had their safeties farther back or what did you see there? That was opening up the middle of the field so often.
1: Yeah. I mean, they were putting so many guys at the line of scrimmage. Um, You know, they were putting six, seven and, and blitzing six sometimes. And um, you know, a lot of that is you just can't match up all the times. If, Guys are winning one-on-one battles and routes. And if you're getting pass protection up front. I mean, remember early in the game, the Bengals tried to target T. Higgins on a lot of one-on-ones, right? And they were one for four in that circumstance. He, he caught one ball off of four targets. He wasn't winning routes. But once guys started winning routes, then you could tell Baltimore had no answer for any of that stuff. And they certainly had no answer. You know the the one deep ball down the field to Uzama when when the ball's being thrown. I thought, oh, Chase must be open, and I look up. Wait a minute, that's Uzama open. And you know who threw a good block to protect was Drew Sample who stayed in the block and then Burrow sidesteps into make the throw down the field. So I think there was a lot of everything of just schematics a game circumstance B and then execution C they, they were great
0: what about the the speed from old man Wilcox's boy to sprint down the field there with Uzama and try to get a lead block for him on that that was hysterical <laughs> he tried he tried <laughs> he made <laughs> he it all tried. the way to the goal he line he almost caught up to him yeah just, just talking about Burrow and and some of the development we've seen from him one thing that really stood out today I thought was how comfortable he's getting in the pocket with yep. his footwork and I think you really saw that on the Uzama pass because you mentioned the blitz pickup, but what Burrow was able to do there was there were, two, slid. Yeah, yep. there were two rushers off that edge, and he climbed up in the pocket and backwards a little bit to sort of move into his left, and, and he allowed one engaged blocker to basically take out that second rusher that was free coming off the edge. That was a brilliant play on his part and kept himself with a very clean pocket to step up into.
1: Yeah, and the, and the part the part to that too is it's the not panic of taking off, right? It's just it was just that little simple slide, and that's what Brady's always so good at, right? Brady's not a runner; he can scramble on occasion, like every quarterback can when everything breaks down. But he's not a runner. But all the thing Brady's always been so great at is just that little subtle movement in the pocket, a little step here, a little slide step there. Um, and 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 Burrow did that a couple times today. I mean, the the second touchdown pass to Uzama wasn't a slide, but he gave this little subtle pump fake out to a cluster. Of receivers. I don't know how it affected the defense cuz I I will see the all 22 tomorrow. I have not seen it yet. Um but it looked like that little subtle pump fake made a couple of guys move enough to where then he knew I'm coming right back to you right there. Boom, you're open, caught, make one guy miss touchdown. In those that's those it's it's a lo- listen, it's a lot of big things cuz he's talented, but it's a lot of little things like that, the little subtle moves. And he also made some really good plays at times than to dodge pass rushes and and get away from it. So uh yeah, he's he's continuing he's to continue to evolve too and uh, we should expect that I guess.
0: Yeah, he averaged over ten point nine yards per pass attempt in this wow. game, which was the That's highest wow. of the year for him. In the two losses, it's notable. They were his two lowest pass attempts of the year. Right. He was averaging about seven yards per attempt in the losses to Chicago and Green Bay. In the wins this year, he's been over 10 yards per attempt, 10.2, and the losses, 7.2 on average. So, you know, the the whole talking about Zach Taylor's play calling and open the offense up and, and everything, I think there's a lot of pointing and going, oh, you guys probably feel dumb now with look at how much success they've had, but it's bared itself out. When they are more aggressive, they are more successful on offense. So I don't yep. think everything people have been talking about is for not. I think there have been some good points made about Zach Taylor. And by the way, he deserves credit for continuing to evolve as a coach and grow with this team, because I think there's no doubt that he did that. He realized today early that running into the teeth of this Baltimore defense wasn't working and he didn't completely abandon the run. He still used it smartly, but you know what we didn't see him running on second and long in this game, not once until the fourth (laughs) quarter when they really needed to try to burn up some clock.
1: No, and, and I think that, that once that passing game got going, it, it did open the running game up because Joe Mixon had forty. put this off the top, I had forty-one of his yards in the second half. P. Ryan had the forty-six-yard touchdown run, um, and and you're right. Uh, you know, I I think he did to his credit start to get more aggressive, and you know they do have those slow starts. I mean, they scored three points on the first four drives. Um, you know, I guess I'm going to live with that. If you eventually evolve into going, okay, we felt them out for two or three series, let's go. And I don't know if that's what today was or that was just kind of coincidence, but that's what it kind of felt like was, all right, we felt them out for a few series. We thought we could run it. We can't. We needed to try to run it. We can't. Um, We need to do this and we can't. Let's do this and let's throw the ball down the field and let's trust our offensive line and let's go. And it worked.
0: Yeah. I mean, Burrow has 38 passing attempts in this game, which is the most he's thrown all year in regulation, but he only had two attempts after the fourth quarter started and they got taken out at the end of the game. So, I mean, this was a lot of passing attempts and I give Zach Taylor credit for that. It was like, Hey, We're not going to be able to just line up and bully these guys up the middle. That's where their strength is. We're going to continue to try to do some running off tackle, and we're going to continue to try to use some play action to open up our passing game. But for the most part, this is going to be a Joe Burrow game, and he's going to go out there and win it for us. And they did so. I mean, A couple of the plays I really liked that I thought stood out and and showed a little more aggressiveness from Zach and him trusting his weapons was the third and two play where he threw to chase for the 82-yard touchdown. Just that... Willingness on third and two to throw, and you're on your half of the field, and you have the the courage to say, Hey, we're going to throw this in an intermediate no, out and it, free them up. Trust them to funny. win that one on one.
1: I saw Kelsey Conway from the Enquirer on Twitter right before that play, and I kind of laughed because I thought oh, that's a clever tweet. You're right. She goes, It's third and two for the Bengals, and I cringe. And she's right because third and two has been the cringe down, right? Well, it's they were been terrible
0: the, and second and one and third and one today. Right, I mean, back to back where they got stuffed twice that was terrible to watch as a fan. It was tough, but again, credit to Zach. He got more aggressive as the game went on after that. And he did, you know, there was the fourth and one too midway through the first where they throw a nine yard pass to to chase and it sets up the first field goal. Things like that show me a a willingness to not be stubborn, a willingness to realize where your strength is and have some confidence in your guys. And I think he's doing a better job of that.
1: Rick, on my fifth quarter, uh, which will be up on local, if you get this early enough, it may not be up at the time. It'll be up soon after this podcast is probably up. It may already be up by the time you listen. Um, you know, I gave the coaching staff an A grade and rightfully so. And I said, literally the only thing I could nitpick, to be quite honest with you, was a little bit of the slow start because it just feels like it's 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 a trend now. Yeah. And the fact on that first drive when they punted on fourth and whatever it was, one or two, instead of trying the 57 yard field goal. I got no complaint. There's no way you can have a complaint about anything else. Seriously, nothing else.
0: Yeah, and by the way, you're allowed to have a bad call in a game. Sure, that Like everyone absolutely. is screwing up during a game. If you have one bad call and you sure. beat your rival in their, their building, 4117, there is absolutely nothing to find fault with from a coaching perspective. The game plan was excellent. They continued to evolve things as the game went on and adjusted as they've shown an inkling to do throughout the season. So far, it was a really well-coached game in in every facet. And by the way, the the thing that maybe stands out the most to me in that regard is how disciplined they were. The the disciplined football and defense. We're going to talk more about the defense here in a second, but then also one penalty in this game, skinny one penalty, a five yarder on offense late in the game. I mean, That's outstanding when you're in a rival's stadium.
1: Yeah, no question. Um, There was a lot of poise shown throughout, no question about it. Um, You know, you got Hollywood Brown who can run like the wind, right? And he usually gets a penalty a game, either for a hold or an illegal contact or somebody grabbing him or pushing him at the end of a route. None of that either. So you didn't give up free yards there. The other discipline part, too, is I thought they rushed pretty disciplined against Lamar. There's that, which we'll talk about. But that's part of being disciplined as well of, um, you know, not getting out of a rush lane, making sure they tried to cage him. And, yes, did he get out some? Sure. You know why he got out some? Because he's pretty damn good. (laughs) He's
0: unbelievable.
1: I mean, look, he had 300, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I had it in my game story. I think he had 347 of their 385 yards, or no, 398 yards total offense. And the only reason he probably didn't have all of it is because he got taken out with seven minutes to go because they waved the white flag. I mean, that's how he carried their team in in that game. They have really, they have him, Mark Andrews, and a little bit of Hollywood Brown, and nothing, literally nothing else.
0: It is brutal in terms of the talent he has at wide receiver position and their offensive line is banged up. So definitely. And I I want to talk, I want to talk more about the defense. Let's wrap up the offense first with some offensive line talk, because you mentioned only one sack in this game, the Ravens blitzed on 17 defensive plays only produced one sack. Yes. They hit Joe Burrow seven times. They got to him a little bit early. There were some struggles running the ball early, but overall you got to take your hats off to the offensive line. And I thought one guy who was outstanding in this game was Jackson Carmen.
1: He was. And, and honestly, Trey Hopkins struggled early. They, they, they got him early on some rush plays. And as the game went along, he got better. In fact, he was a big reason for those two touchdown runs at the end, the, the, the Mixon mix and run the Samaj AP Ryan run. Um, so he got better as the game went along and, and listen, I mean, Trey's Trey. I love Trey's one of my favorites because uh, he's honest, he's um, he he gets it, he gets you know how how fortunate he is coming from being an undrafted free agent. And trust me, they, they're, they're trying to rest him. I know that knee's got to still be bugging the living daylights out of him. It just has to be. I'm not trying to make an excuse for him, but he's playing through that stuff. And so um, to see him kind of evolve into that game was really good to see. And yeah, the one sack came, if you remember, Rick, and, and you'd have to completely dissect it, so I'm doing this off just kind of watching like we all are, but it came off a of play action where Joe came off play action, thought he had a read because of play action, right? You think you got a, a quick read here. L- realized whatever that read was, wasn't open, tried to re and go again. And by then they got him. Okay. that Look, if that's your only sack, you did fine. I mean, if that's it, you guys did well.
0: And then even though they had some issues early trying to get the run game going, I thought it was also telling in the fourth quarter when they got that turnover on downs and it's like, okay, you can put go. the game away right here with a little bit of a drive. They ran the ball four straight times, mixing 20-yard touchdown, game over, 34-17. And all I could think of, Skinny, was how often, I mean, in my entire lifetime as a Bengals fan, how often has that happened, where they Bengals just play bully ball to close out a big win against a rival like that? I mean, it usually feels like even when in their best games, it's been a situation where, uh-oh, here comes the other team. Hold on to your seat because this is going to be a wild finish. Tell
1: me you didn't think when Burrow threw the interception in the end zone that here comes Baltimore. Of course.
0: Absolutely. You have to think that as a Bengals fan. It's ingrained in you.
1: Yeah, no no question. I mean, and that that's exactly what it is. So, no, the fact that they lined up and just said, here we come and finish it off. Because there was a part of me that thought, okay, when they got the turnover on downs at 27-17, you're like, okay, that's a hell of a stop defense. mass. And then... And then they start running, and I'm thinking, oh, they're going to get a field goal here. And it's going to be 30-17 to with eight minutes to go, which gives Lamar two more chances at it. And they're going to lose 31-30. No, they went in and scored the touchdown on the 21-yard mix and run. And at 34-17, even if you're sweating it a little bit, at that point, you're like, nah, that's pretty much it. And then, of course, then P. Ryan puts the icing on the cake. But I, I kept thinking the whole time, I'm doing the math, man. I'm like, all right, so you turn them over and downs. Okay, now we're going to run the ball, and I get it. You want to run some clock, but you're going to come to third and three, and you're not going to make it. You're going to kick a field goal, and you're going to feel good because you're up 30-17. to 17, And here comes Lamar coming back twice. He's going to get two more touchdowns, and you're going to walk
0: out of there going, how do we just lose 31-30? And they didn't. And they didn't. No, not didn't show any signs of of weakness. Like you said, the turnover, the interception was terrible, but right away, the defense has his back. They get the big stop, the turnover on downs, and then the offensive line just puts it away with just running it right up the gut, bullying them to a finish instead of letting them hang around. That was so much fun, so satisfying to watch as a Bengals fan, I think. Skinny, this defense has been playing out of its mind since the season started. They haven't given up more than 25 points yet this season, and now they've allowed 10 and 17 in their two biggest division rivals stadiums.
1: That's pretty impressive, is it not? And it's it's some of that some some of that is no and you 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 will agree with this. I mean Pittsburgh's just not good. I mean we, we can agree with that. Sure, they're, and they're but not it's a good still,
0: offense. it's still 10 points in the NFL against no question an AFC North opponent that you've struggled in playing in their place.
1: Do you know the fewest amount of points that, that Baltimore scored this year?
0: seventeen. Uh,
1: 17. uh they came in averaging 423 yards of offense the Bengals held him to 398 which doesn't sound great except it didn't feel like a 398 day and, and honestly some of it was that it came late when they put all back backups versus backups it was really two drives that Baltimore put together It was that drive towards the end of the first half and that first one in the second half that you know that was kind of their offense for the day and some some Lamar yardage mixed in between the between the you know the 30s or even the 40s for the most part I mean it was pretty much dominant
0: no, it was Andrew Russell from a uh, pro football focus tweeted this stat out after the game. I mentioned that the Bengals or the Ravens blitzed on 17 plays and only produced one sack. The Bengals blitzed on nine defensive plays and got home five times, five sacks tied for the most. Lamar Jackson has ever been sacked in one game. The only other team to do it was Pittsburgh back in 2019. Yeah. See, I
1: don't know if that's right. Cause I thought one of the, I think one of the sacks, the Ogunjobi sack came on a three-man pressure uh, early in the game, but neither here nor there. Um, uh, even when they went four-man pressures, they were getting pressure on him. And even on one well, of the blitzes... Well, not all
0: not, not these sacks had to come on plays where they blitzed, but just that they only blitzed nine times and ended oh, up I'm with sorry. five yeah, sacks. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about that they, they got five sacks on nine blitzes. And I thought, nah, I don't remember that. So yeah, okay, that's, that's fine. And, and I, as I say, on one of the blitzes where they didn't get home, if you remember, it was a Von Bell safety blitz that came right up the middle untouched Lamar kind of freaked out and had to throw one quickly and threw it incomplete. So even if you're not sacking him on those occasions where you blitzed, um, you you were effective. And that's the good part is they didn't have to blitz very much to get pressure. Uh, you know, every everybody wants blitzing because it's sexy and it looks good. And I'm, I I I'm with you if you can't get pressure, but you know what you can do if you can get pressure with four. That puts seven guys usually covering three or four. That's a
0: pretty good ratio, is it not? Well, and that's kind of what happened in this game for the Bengals because it did feel like some of those sacks were more result of coverage. You know, yeah. the guys are covered downfield. You're making Lamar hold the ball two, three seconds, four seconds. And the other thing, which you already brought up, is the discipline that they had with their pass rush guys were stay especially hubbard and hendrickson you really got to give them credit for the way they set the edge they keep contained and yeah lamar had his yards on the ground but he didn't hurt them at all in important moments he didn't have any big explosive plays when you needed to get the stop they really held him in check and and again that just comes down to being so disciplined and having a good game plan lou anarumo is the freaking man right now
1: uh, dude, I, I, you know, I know he's taken a lot of bullets the last two years and I've stood by him because uh, I think he is a good coach. And maybe it's just because I like him and like talking to him and like listening to him and enjoy conversations with him. And so maybe I'm jaded by that. But I always thought that he was he was really stuck with a group of guys that were aging, weren't very good. Um, wanted to do their own thing, and little by little they've weeded some of that out. And now you look up, and you got guys that are doing stuff that he wants. They're good. Listen, hey, you got to have good guys. Trey Hendrickson's been good, and Ogan Joby's been good, and Reader's been good, and Logan Wilson's draft choice has been good, and those safeties have been good. One of those was a free agent. I mean, you the, the the guys that are playing corner. I mean, can can I ask you a question? Did you
0: notice Eli Apple today? No, not at all. I think they huh. may throw at him one time again or something. Huh. I mean, he has just not been a problem for a while. And and credit Lou Anarumo because Eli Apple has been a problem throughout his career, everywhere That's he's right. been. So That's right. the fact that he's hidden in this defense, whether it's him playing better or them scheming better, I think it's probably a combination of the two. But either way, you got to give Lou Anarumo and this staff mm-hmm. credit for finding a way to make him useful.
1: No question. And to his credit, he always deflects to his guys um, of, of what they do and how they do things. Um, no, I, I've, I've, I've always, I've been impressed with him for three years and I know it was hard to be impressed with him the last two years. And I just had to swallow hard and go, okay, you have your opinion. It's good. And I, I get it. And I'm fine with it. I, the stats back you up more than they back me up, but I think he's a pretty good football coach.
0: Well, I'll give you credit because you, you did see that the last couple of years. And I kind of thought you were crazy at times, to be honest, but I give him credit. I give Zach Taylor a lot of credit. Maybe, you know, better than I, how much credit Duke Tobin deserves for this, but the that's fact fair that, too, that they had the courage to get rid of some of those veterans that were mouthing off in the locker room and they were taking some bullets publicly and in the media for doing so. And, and people were writing some hit columns on them for, for doing this type of stuff. Well, guess what? They got some losers out of the locker room and they found a couple of winners that want to play the right way, want to be bought into the way they're doing things and want to be a part of a championship. And it makes a difference. You can tell.
1: And it kind of sucks because I love A.J. Green and Carlos Dunlap was really good and I love Geno Atkins and they just got to the point of their careers where they're thinking... Business decision time, man. And I get it. You're playing on a losing team with a new coach. You don't know him anything in theory. Um, and they just didn't buy in. And that's fine. You don't have to. And to AJ's credit, he's gone out in the desert and they're winning games left and right. And he's a big part of it. And I'm happy for him because he deserves that. He absolutely deserves that. And I wish Gino was, was doing those things. I think he absolutely deserves that. But that doesn't mean they were buying in here. And I think that was more on them than it was on this coaching staff. And if that's the case, then shame on you. Bye-bye.
0: And let's change the culture. And again, they get production from every level of their defense again today. Hubbard was great. Hendrickson was in the mix, even though he wasn't as productive in terms of stats. He didn't put up a lot. He just had his his uh, sack and I think a tackle for a loss as well. Yeah, yep. O- Ogan Joby was outstanding in the middle. He's ridiculous. Logan Wilson was awesome again. And then Jesse Bates and Von Bell were really good again in, in the back and coming up and making plays against the run. I mean, You've got guys at every level of this defense that are doing their jobs at a bare minimum. And on any given game, you've got one or two guys in each position group standing out and playing really well. So uh, it does go to show you a little bit though, too. They spent a bunch of money on their defense two years ago in free agency. We didn't get to see the fruits of that because of all the injuries that they had last year. Those guys were difference makers and they've done a good job of piecing this thing together, both through free agency and the draft the last two or three years.
1: Yeah, and that, that, that's a big part of it. There's no doubt. But but part of the thing, too, is, and they're not going to admit this, but there's no doubt, the, the culture shift of spending in free agency and filling holes for free agency. And some of it was, it was needed because they'd had some bad drafts, um, they had some misses, and you couldn't keep building long-term through the draft because you kept missing a little bit. So they went and spent, and then after they spent, to their credit, then they had a couple of great drafts in a row. This year's draft class and last year's draft class, are outstanding to this point. So then you hit a couple of draft classes to mix in with going out and getting players. Um, Credit is credit where credit's due. Listen, they messed up some of it and Duke Tobin deserves some of the, some of the, you know, the, the arrows that come his way for messing up some of that. And so does the whole organization. But finally you went and did something out of the box, which was, boy, we got to fill holes or people aren't going to come because we need players because we suck. And they did it. And they did it in back-to-back years and then back-to-back draft classes and voila, now you got a roster that can play in the NFL. You didn't have that for about three or four years.
0: On that subject alone, not defense related, but you know, everyone's talked a lot about Panay Sewell, obviously, and, and why it was a good idea not to go after him. But it, a lot of this offseason was spent talking about, are they doing enough on the offensive line? And I remember at least a week and a half, two weeks of Sports Talk Radio in this town were spent talking about Joe Tooney. Do you think Joe Tooney is a good decision right now for the Chiefs that just <laughs> got pounded and they're paying him $80 million? Like. They've, they've done it right here on some of these decisions that were highly publicized and talked about a lot. And they were criticized in some regards for, you know, not making a bigger run at a Joe Tooney or not drafting a offensive lineman in the first round. And meanwhile, they've got Jonah Williams struggled a little bit today, but has played well so far this season Uh, and Jackson Carmen, who had a great game today and keeps getting better. So, I mean, some of it may be luck, but also they've made some really good calls here.
1: No, I, I, I'm not a big believer in luck. And so I'm not going to give them, I, I don't think it was bad luck when they drafted. I think they drafted badly. I think they made bad decisions. Yeah. Uh, I guess some of that was bad luck. I mean, said a he was the right guy at the right time. John Ross was not a good pick. It never was a good pick. It was never going to be a good pick, especially when your head coach didn't want that pick. And then at that point too, you also had guys at loggerheads with each other because because Marvin wanted one thing and other people wanted another thing. And so then they were never going to de- agree. And I'm not here, here to tell you that Zach agrees with all of it, but it feels like Zach wants his player, his certain type of guy. And it's been talked about and publicized and written about. And the front office is agreeing with that. And so they're all kind of going after the same guy. And I think, again, I think Marvin was obviously right on John Ross, right? I mean, yeah. you can't blame Marvin for that. That was not his pick. He didn't want it to be his pick. And he made it very clear that he didn't like the pick. And so, Hard to blame Marvin for that, but when you have all of that going back and forth, it's hard to succeed. It's just hard to succeed.
0: It is, and, and you know the only reason I say luck is just in the idea that the year that you have the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow is the guy coming out. right? It. Oh you know, yeah, we I mean, oh, don't. are going to take a right. the quarterback right. there regardless, but it could be a lot of other guys that maybe aren't so quick to yeah. figure things out. And, N- and aren't, that's, aren't a, good, good and that's a good point. And then you get Jamar Chase at number five, which you know he could have not been there. You could have decided to take someone else with really a top five pick. You expect them to be pretty damn good, right? I mean, they made the right decision with. Going with Jamar Chase over a uh, offensive lineman, but had they picked, you know, another wide receiver, even I don't think people would have been too out of their minds about it. So they've just done a, a really good job and they've also had some fortune go their way with their timing of things. But no question. Right. You know, That's right. Uh, overall, it just I guess it could best be summed up by this. I got a text a little bit ago from a, a buddy who sent me a screenshot of a bet he had placed for one dollar in August. On the Bengals to be the number one seed in the AFC, skinny. Oh, you know what, those what odds did he were? get?
1: Oh, I'm gonna just hang on. Let me let me guess this. Usually those odds aren't as high as you think, but I'm gonna go
0: 250 to one. 200 to one. Okay. So yeah, 200 to one odds in August. Wow. To, uh, if you, to the, the Bengals get the number one seed in the AFC. Now you're sitting here, and uh, they are first in the AFC overall. And who knows where that goes? I don't think many people feel that they're the best team in the AFC at this point, but they are now very much in the conversation. And I would love to be holding on to a 200 to one ticket.
1: Well, and here's the other part. And we've talked about the second half schedule being difficult, right? And it is on paper. The other part to the second half schedule is this though. You play eight games and guess how many of those are at home after the bye week? Five of those are at home. So, I mean, while we talk about the difficult schedule, that's one thing. The flip side is now you're going to have a fan base that's engaged, a fan base that's probably going to be there. And now guess what you have that you haven't had for a few years, and understandably and rightfully so. You might have a little home field advantage.
0: Home field advantage. Your team has a whole lot of confidence. And quite honestly, I mean, yeah, it's a tougher schedule than what you've played to this point. But it was also a schedule that we thought the Bengals were going to be underdogs going into every game. That's right. How many of these games are they going to be the favorite in?
1: Well, I mean, I'm going to tell you, the next two before the bye, they're going to be favorites. And that right. includes Cle- And that includes Cleveland, which, um, again, they're banged up. Sorry for your luck. That's just life. But, yeah, I mean, the, the next two they are.
0: Yeah, it went from a uh, four-point. The Bengals were a four-point favorite prior to today's games against the Jets next week. After oh my today's God. game, it's changed to eight and a half.
1: Well, and some of that is obviously Zach Wilson related. Too. sure so let's let's, be cl- let's let's be clear with that. but yeah, I mean no that, that that tells you how perception changes very quickly, not just in a week or a month or whatever it changes in a few hours.
0: Well, also the fact that the Bengals put up such good numbers against a team like the Ravens that have pretty high metrics themselves. you have to figure yeah. in things with the computer power rankings and algorithms and all that stuff that they're using, the Bengals are probably going to look a whole lot better by the numbers after this game too. So yeah, i imagine they're going to get a little more respect from the computers in Vegas going forward. Agreed. Skinny, anything else you got here to wrap this one up a 41, 17 win for the Bengals over the Ravens. It's amazing to think that
1: this team has a really good shot to be seven and two going into the bye week It's not a given obviously, but you play a Jets team. That's just a mess in, in Cleveland. And, You asked me a couple of weeks ago, Rick, I don't know if it was on this podcast or the one that we do on a weekly basis about what my expectations were. I said my expectations at that point, whatever that was, was that they're going to play meaningful football in December. And I think now they've put themselves in an absolute place to play meaningful football in December.
0: It's fun. I mean, this is just different. I will say the one thing from the fan base that I I would throw out there is don't do the told you so stuff to the next – like this whole – Nobody told. Nobody so t- told. Nobody, the t- media nobody
1: is, told. Nobody told you. Yeah, see that's the thing. Ain't nobody told you so. Give me a break. Well, it, 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 also
0: like the idea that people should have given this Bengals team and no, the coaching staff and anyone no. the benefit of the doubt before the season is asinine. Like exactly, they've won six games in the last two years. This is a great turnaround, but not you, even the most ardent of Bengals fans expected this.
1: No, you know that I told you so. People are the people that the last years go. Bengals going to go twelve and four, man, because you're the Bengals. No, dude, they sucked and you didn't see that. And that's okay. You're a Bengals fan. I'm okay with that. No, that's, that's the, I told you so anybody with any common sense just needs to roll with this in a positive way and go, you know what? This is fun and you should treat it as fun, not as an I told you so. Cause hey, you know, listen, dude, who thought they were going to be 12 and five or 13 and four or 14 three this year. God love you, but you do that out of your heart and not out of your head. And that's okay. But that doesn't make you. I told you so guy. Cause I told you, so, guy. Hey, I could come back to you last year and go, what'd you pick last year? I picked Bengals 12 and four. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're great. How about the year before? Uh, 11 and five. Yeah. Okay. Great. No, dude, shut up.
0: Yeah, like it's no it's no need to do that. And honestly, it takes away a little bit from how yes. crazy this is of what they're yes. doing. Like this team wasn't supposed to Don't, be that good. Yeah. We were hoping for a slight turnaround to, to open the window for the next two years or three right. years or whatever or for Joe Burrow. But like for them to be a legit contender this year is beyond pretty much everyone's most wild expectation. So just enjoy it. There's, it's really sounds silly to be tweeting at national people. I mean, you know, I understand people are this week are still saying the Bengals are going to lose the Ravens. That's fair. Like they have anything to this point. So it is fair. just enjoy it. You don't need to be sending everybody uh tweets, telling them they were idiots for not believing in the Bengals or whatever. I mean, good for them. They've proven it and it's a lot of fun to watch, but just enjoy it. Just enjoy it.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm kind of with you. Just enjoy it. Absolutely. Rick, appreciate it as always. A reminder, we'll be back with our weekly podcast on Thursday of this week when it will drop. Uh, we get closer and closer to college basketball season. We got obviously a lot more college football to talk about, including uh, when we do that podcast. We'll only be a handful of days away from the first college football playoff pairing being released, and of course, we got way more Bengals to talk about and much, much more. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals Post Game Edition, presented by Ryan Keith and Prime Lender.